Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up today, we'll look back at Saturday's Guernsey FA Cup final as Sylvan stops Saints in their tracks to seal a second title. We'll also hear about plans to appoint two new sports development officers in Guernsey in netball and cycling. And we'll look ahead to what's coming up in island sport over the next seven days. I'm Tony Kerr and with me today from the Guernsey Press Sports Desk is Rob Batiste. How do? And Jamie Ingrill. Hello. Uh, great to see you guys. What a week it's been in the sun, although we're recording now uh, in the sort of gloom of the heavy rain. Um, let's start with our picks of the week. Um, Rob, I think you're going to highlight the football because the FA Cup final was quite a glorious afternoon. I'm not just going to highlight the football. I've had three three highlights this week, which oh, is a record for me, go. a personal best. Um, start with the football, though. Um, the FA Cup final uh, on Saturday at the Courtfield was a wonderful game. Um, a real fantastic tr- match, um, which had everything. Lots of goals, plenty of tension, great, great crowd, appreciative crowd. Sunshine. The pitch looked absolutely marvellous. It was cut only half an hour or so ago, before kickoff by Jody Bissell, by the Velrec, who must be really congratulated for putting on a, a fantastic show. Um, really made an effort, um, which has not always been the case, and in recent years for some of these um, cup occasions, where it's sort of been very um, down downplayed sort of occasions. This time he had the um, he was on the microphone regular announcements about what was going on. We had music beforehand. We had the match of the day theme and various other bits and pieces. It was, um, and it all added to, I think, the feel of, feel of, the, feel of the occasion. And um, the two teams didn't disappoint either. And Sylvans were the deserved winners. Should have won by, well, quite comfortably, really. And it was good to see that their, their very hard work for the, the season was paid off with a trophy in the end. Yeah, it was an absolutely tremendous match, I have to say. Um, so exciting. Probably one of the best matches we've seen, I think, all season. And for that to, to come in a cup final, as you say, on, on a day which kind of felt like a proper occasion and, um, yeah, with a good crowd and, uh, yeah, really delivered. Yeah, and it, I think in, in the way it was staged, it showed how, what is, what, how Guernsey football, Guernsey club football can work to a better future with a bit of creative thinking and looking at more carefully at the dates um, um, when they when they stage games and what they want to you know make make them real occasions perhaps not just have one game perhaps have two or three back to back make them real festival affairs because it had a feel of a, a a bit of a festival on Saturday and only three days later or, or four days later we had the Corbett Cup finals down at the same ground where again it was the same sort of feel a festival feel lots of people there enjoying themselves um, and I think as I say. I think football can learn from that and should really look more closely at when they stage games, who plays who, and really try and build up build up the occasion. We'll come on to your other couple of picks in a moment. Let's just hear from Sylvan's coach, Martin Degare, um, who spoke to us after that FA Cup win. Um, some fine performances from his side of the day. Here's what he had to say. Well, I think we deserved that overall, the performances we put in over the season. You know, we deserved a bit of silverware and the lads have done really well and they got what they, they deserved. Nervous at the end there? Very, very nervous, yeah. You know, and I thought surely we couldn't mess it up, but yeah, we, we got through in the end and uh, yeah, fully deserved, I think, with the football we played. 
I thought we were in control of the first half. We dominated. The only shot they had on target was a penalty in the 46th minute, I think. You know, but um, yeah, I thought we dominated the first half and uh, we could have been three or four up for sure. Rob, we'll come back to your other picks in a moment, but uh, Jamie, what's uh, caught your eye this week? Personally, it's been the start of the domestic open water triathlon season. Absolutely beautiful day down at Grand Rock. James Travers, Island Games triathlete, he claims his umpteenth win. He's a very prolific winner of local events. But what stood out for me was the quality of the developing triathletes we've got coming through. Um, in the men's race, Chris Norman and Thierry Le Cheminant, both triathletes are relatively new and on promising trajectory. But I think what really shone was the women's race. Uh, having Chloe Troffitt win her first event of this scale, um, she's someone who started only last year and was actually kind of encouraged into the sport by Megan Chappell, Island Games silver medalist. So it's good to know like Megan's got into the sport and is hopefully inspired like in next new like bunch of triathletes and will continue to inspire others. Yeah, it's always good to see new faces in it rising to the fore in um, in those kind of events. And yeah, what 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 kind of distance did she win by? Oh, it was quite convincing, uh, coming up to two minutes in the end, and she actually gave a good account of herself in the field overall against some quality male triathletes as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Rob, you got a couple more picks? Yeah, um, a couple of cricket matches. I want to sort of, or one one particular cricket match I want to pick up on, and. Um, Two elements of that. Um, on Tuesday evening, saw a um, rain-affected evening league game between Wanderers, Rovers and Irregulars. Um, it, you'd have put money on early on that it, it was going to be rained off and there were thunderstorms predicted, etc. And um, But no, they ploughed on. The umpires did deserve great credit. The two, two sets of teams deserved great credit. And in the end, we had a fantastic finish, one of the best of the season. But the, um, So... And there was some really good cricket played by a number of players. Um, some good innings from Tim Duke, who looked getting back to his best. Lucas Barco, who's playing fantastic form at the moment. And then for the regulars, a couple of South Africans who really impressed me this year. Ben Wetzel um, and Martin Dale Bradley. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really quite impressed by both, you know, consistently putting in good performances um, and I think that they may well push for full island places by the end of the season. Um, we've had several South Africans in the past who've worn the Guernsey cap, but it's been a number of years since any of those have, have come through. But I fancy what, um, these two guys may well push pretty pretty close this year if we get a game against Jersey. And the, um, the one thing that struck me about Martin Neil Bradley, who's, um, he was a hard-hitting batsman and a leg-break bowler, was that he actually was batting in a cap... And I can't recall the last time I saw a first division player batting just in a cap. I mean, everybody bats in helmets these days, which is makes it very, very awkward for um, for us reporters or anybody on the sidelines, in fact, to say to identify who is actually batting. They all look the same, most you know, most of them. Um, and um, it got me thinking about. Where did all this business started with helmets? And I have to point the finger at myself on that, because you know? <laughs> it was going back in probably about 1979. I think I was the first person in Guernsey and probably even Channel Islands cricket to actually wear a helmet and um, in regular cricket, having had my front set of front teeth smashed by one of the St Martin's bowlers. Um, quite by accident, but I remember at the time it caught it caused quite a lot of consternation and amusement amongst. Um, 
opponents who who looked at me and thought, hmm, we're going to test that. <laughs> and, um, Sorry, and they did. They, yeah, but um, anyway, of course, that, I, was, I was one of only one or two people in that first season who wore helmets. But now, of course... Um, it's everybody does it's very very rare for somebody to go out without a helmet but it was refreshing to see martindale go out there be confident enough to go out there against all the bowling and um and play well yeah you love to see that what did your first helmet look like it's a scooter helmet no it wasn't, no it wasn't quite a scooter helmet it wasn't a mike Brearley thing which which was really awful to see um um, it was sort of a, a plastic visor, blue top, and it was very cumbersome, and you tended to steam up. Um, and um, a few years later, I managed to ditch that one and got a, a, a grey and gooch white helmet, which was very, very... It, I, I was pleased with that one. It really looked good. <laughs> but unfortunately, I, I, I didn't wear the front grille with it because I thought, no, I, I didn't like the grille at all. And um, and promptly got clobbered in the, in the chops again and lost more tea. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, um, yeah, it's um, helmets are very, very, you know, vital to, for player safety in, in the modern game. But um, I must admit, I do like see old footage when people batted without helmets. And you, could just... you think back to the top level of the game, it's staggering that people didn't wear helmets, you know, against some truly fearsome bowling. Who was who? Who was the you know, you know locally? Who were the who were the, the pace bowlers that really that really put fear into you? Dobson and Creed were the two guys. Miles Dobson and Andy Creed. These are the days back at the old Foots Lane when KG Five was out of action for a couple of years and they were doing a lot of remedial work. And the pitch at the Foots Lane was big, wide um, plastic mats set on concrete, and it was quick. I can assure you. And those two um, were the two opening bowlers for Rovers who were the kingpins at the time. And they were quite young guys, tough, physical, and they liked to outdo one another. They were the Lillian Thompson of Guernsey cricket, and they were pretty fearsome. And in those days, umpires didn't bat an eyelid at people, bowlers bowling bumper after bumper after bumper. And... Um, it really was hairy stuff. And they did run through a lot of teams who, you know, local batsmen just didn't want to know. They were backing away towards square leg. And um, I can also I can remember a call, probably one of, the, one, of the, one of the finest innings I played was a 10 not out against those two. With the lid on? With, no, this is pre-lid, keeping an end up while Warren Barrett produced one of the most masterful batting performances I've seen in local local cricket at the other end with his white floppy hat. He made all the runs and I was just, he just said, stay there. But I seem to remember playing nearly every ball off the splice of my hand of the handle in front of my eyes. And it was pretty frightening stuff. But we got home, thanks to Warren. But they were, they were different days, I can assure you now. Well, I'm pleased to say your teeth looking right there uh, now, Rob. <laughs> I would be terrified of that. No, it was it was hairy stuff, and as I say, it, it's a much changed game. I'm backing away from the leg spinners these days. <laughs> um, well, some great picks of the week. We'll be back in a moment with um, with some chat about those new sports development offices. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you're listening. Uh, that way you'll get new episodes delivered straight to you every Thursday. And hey, why not leave a rating and a review while you're at it? 
Now, Guernsey's squadron of sports-specific development officers is about to get a boost uh, through the Guernsey Sports Commission. There are already 11 coaches working to build participation in athletics, badminton, cricket, football, women's football, hockey, rugby, sailing, squash, tennis and fencing. And thanks to some new funding, they'll soon be adding netball and cycling to that list. Uh, well, I'm pleased to say uh, Steve Sharman from the Commission is back on the pod uh, to talk about it. Thanks for coming in again, Steve. Absolute pleasure, Tony. Good, Good morning. to see you. Um, I mean, first of all, Steve, just explain what the role of the SDO is for people who don't know. Well, I think it's specific, Tony, to, to each sport that we, that we work with. Um, and um, it's, we want to be very, very clear that the, the development officers, the sports-specific development officers are working on behalf of the sport uh, as part of their strategic thinking as part of their development plan that they have with the sports commission but in the direction that they want to go so it could focus um, on participation and getting participation numbers up but there could be elements where they're also that development plan could be looking at how they move people through a pathway to something that's more competitive or, or and, and and elite if we want to use use that word um, traditionally through the sports commission we employed um, development officers or work with development officers to um, carry out lots of lots of activity within the primary schools as part of the primary school partnership. Um, I think if we look now at our demographic on the island, and, and everybody is aware um, that we have an ageing demographic, the Sports Commission, we, we, we've really, you know, look, put the magnifying glass on on the demographic of the island, on the population, and said, actually, we need to make sure that we, we offer something for the whole population, and whether it's ageing or not, but the whole population. So I think lots more sports are coming around to that. So yes, they will have that foundation of young people. We can use the regulated activity and work in schools, but also think, well, what are we doing for people as they move through their life? Because, you know, there is that, that, that demand there as well. Yeah, what an SDO does might look quite different depending on who it is what their sport is what the aspirations of that sport are I mean from your experience at the commission and from the commission's experience what what kind of difference do they make to these sports well, I think um, investing in people uh, throughout my, my life, you know, if you have some money and you, you, you give some money to an organisation that is volunteer-led, um, we have some fantastic volunteers, but they only have a certain amount of, of time uh, to be able to, to use that money. If you invest in somebody and the right person, you know, and then you're able to give them some sort of revenue stream, then you're, the, the, what you can achieve, the outcomes, are just you know, greatly improved. So it is about investing in people. It's it, it, it's it's uh, those sort of people we want to uh, have working as development officers are fantastic at connecting with a range of age groups. They they also understand the island, and that's really really important. You know, you've heard me talk about before, and I've talked to Rob about this about the environment of Guernsey. You have to understand how this island operates, how it works, what people want, and you need to get that right. And you also need to understand that you know that changes probably more on a regular basis um, you know in cycles whether they're five-year cycles or 10 years whatever um, but we have to understand so how people consume their activity so all our development officers have to be cognizant of that and they also have to understand that there's far more opportunities for people so how do they work collaboratively with, with other sports as well so it's it's a really interesting opportunity to 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 also um, showcase 
um, the career that can be had within within sport as well. You know, why now for these two sports for netball and cycling? So I think both those sports are high participation sports. Um, netball has had um, a long history of um, outstanding volunteers who've given their you know their life an incredible amount of passion towards it. But I think that we, 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 when we undertook a, a review of netball, we realised that there needed to be um, some shaping of their structure. We needed to make sure that it was a little bit more inclusive, that we also, um, there were one or two people doing an enormous amount of work, and that workload probably meant that they weren't as efficient as they could be. So the review we undertook with, with Darren Dukman, and, and, and that's been publicised by yourselves, um, really highlighted that there was, an, there, there was this opportunity to reshape how young people came into the game, how they played, and also how, how, how adults consumed it. So biggest participation sport probably for girls on the island, um, integral within our, within our school system, um, is performance at the top end as well through the through the Panthers, um, and um, it's a sport that um, very simply should have a development officer, somebody working to support those volunteers. In respect of cycling, well, that's um, that that's been an incredible growth sport. We've always had talented cyclists over here and you only have to be out on the roads um, at weekends um, early mornings to see how many keen cyclists there are I mean you know we also the island supports three fantastic bike shops as well so um, cycling was again one of those sports which had a, a high volunteer base putting a lot of time in but we thought again by having a development officer, it could support those volunteers and they'd probably got to a plateau to a point where they physically couldn't give any more of their time. So actually that development officer can help and support and maybe uh, find other avenues for the, for, for the cyclists. It occurs to me, Steve, um, and they're both great initiatives and, and long called for appointments. Is there a danger, though, that you get a situation where you have a, a very clued on development officer? that they have to then they by the by their natural excellence they end up taking on so much work that the voluntary force perhaps disappear, disappears a bit because you've obviously got some people particularly in cycling at the moment we're doing huge amount of hours Absolutely. but is there a danger that they and a worry from the commission's point of view that some of these people might well just say Actually, I'm enjoying this rest. Bye. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. It, it, it's it's um, how we work with the sport and how we manage that development officer. So we've put together a generic development officer role profile. We, develop, we, put, we put together a development plan and out of that comes the work programme. And we're very keen to say, look, this is a relationship between us and, for example, the Velo Club. Um, let's look at this individual. This individual is not going to cover off all, all bases. It's going to... Um, focus on those areas that the Velo Club feel as though that specialism and it's down to the individual can really would really benefit the club um, but at the same time it does give people a little bit of a breather but they also realise actually um, I, I can now whilst I've had to be jack of all trades I can focus the volunteer aspect is is always in our mind but I think if we 
if the open lines of communication are there with the with the sport itself, I think we will we will get it right. And we we've decided to with netball and cycling to employ them through the sports commission. Um, and I think that's important because it takes away that administrative role. Um, it also means that in my role as relationship director, I can provide that scaffolding and support to them on a on a daily weekly basis, and then link in with with the people. If we look at the Velo Club, like Adrian Twitter, like like Mark Smith, those people who are giving that enormous amount of time. So I think um, it's also if we don't try, then we don't know. So we just got to work hard at it. I think. Are there more sports in line? Yeah, there are. Yeah, um, you know, we we we've talked over a number of years, Rob, that I want to get a boxing development officer. I'm very very keen to do that. Um, I think that will happen. It, I, I, and I think it will happen um, before the end of the summer. Um, and um, we have the funding um, and we just need to uh, think carefully what that what that looks like. Um, but I think that would be a, a really positive uh, move as far as as far as development officers, because I think that sport can provide um, a real foundation for for young people um, around um, values, around discipline. Um, and it, it's not that blood sport that, that, that people always think about it. You know, if we look at a boxing development officer, then that's something which is, is about people controlling their emotions and having discipline rather than losing it, losing can you see um, boxing actually going back into the schools? I mean, historically, many years ago, um, Elizabeth College boxed mm. for, for many years, yeah, held yeah. their championships. We've got some marvellous old photographs in our archives of their, their championships. I, I, I do. I, I, I absolutely think that, the, that, that those things are, are possible um, within the right framework and, and at the right steps. I, 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 I think it's um, something that I have an a, a enormous affinity to, uh, you know, with my grandfather running Delancey Progressive Boxing Club on the bridge and my him being a professional boxer, my father and my uncles. Um, I didn't make it because my, my nose was far too big and that would have spread all over my face. Um, but um, yeah, I, I really think if we if we approach it in the right way, so that, that that's an exciting that that's somewhere. You know, I, I, I'm passionate about making that happen and it will happen. Um, we've just got to get that bit right. So, so you know, watch this space because in a very short period of time, I think we'll, we'll be coming back to you. Um, and the other one would be outdoor, outdoor and adventures, aquatic activities, something which really links into to, 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 to making that bridge between where children learn to swim, but also then understanding you know, the, the aquatic opportunities that they have and understanding the sea and that environment. That's something that, that, uh, that, that, that's on the radar as well. Yeah, great. And we mentioned funding. I, mean, I gather um, that these appointments are coming from a bit of a mix of sources in yeah. terms of funding. Uh, the sports themselves, private sponsorship, the commission's own funds and the activate sports strategy. Yeah. Is that the case for all of the sports development officers or is it uh, that to, to add these kind of these extras as you go along, you're having to be a bit more creative fundraising wise? I, I think um, creativity is important. Um, some of the sports are, uh, will have uh, major support from the national governing bodies in the UK. But for every sport, sport in Guernsey, um, where they affiliate to or their affinity, even they, not just affiliation, you know, if you look at table tennis and cricket, then they're seen as nations. So that if you look at football and rugby, they'll link into the FA and the RFU respectively. So there's funding coming from there, but not every sport can tap into that, that amount of money. And certainly netball was one of those, one of those sports. So I think we have to be creative. Yes, there, there is money that's come through the Activate plan, which is 
most welcome and, and, and fantastic and, and, and well done to the states for, for pushing that through and, 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 uh, and education, sport and culture. That, 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 that has been great. Um, and we as a sports commission through our ability to, to bring in private funding, you know, to go and ask those questions. And what we're doing is, is we're, rather than selling the sport, we're investing in people, we're investing in our community, you know, and what that community is. So that's a much easier and a much better sell than just saying, well, actually, we want some money that's going to go towards a sport. You're investing in a person, you're investing in their career, but look at this, you know, painting that picture of what they can do for the whole community. Steve Sharman from the Guernsey Sports Commission there. Right, well, let's have a look at what's coming up over the weekend and the week ahead. Um, Jamie, a big night of athletics at Foots Lane on Friday. Yes, so on Friday night, we're hosting our night of the 5,000 metres at Foots Lane. And yes, it's looking like it might well deliver in both quality and quantity terms. Um, going on to the quantity, road running at the moment is obviously very, very popular. We're getting regular triple figures. But I think running 12 and a half laps on the track, which is 5,000 metres, is a bit more of a niche pursuit. But we've managed to get 80 people across and effectively sell out well adv- in advance. And it's people of all abilities, really. Going on to the sharp end, it's shaping up to be a cracking duel between uh, Richard Friedrich, Will Bodkin, two other most outstanding runners of recent months. But there's real strength and depth from the likes of James Priest, Nick Mann. Should be an exciting race. We'll have a good women's race and really some good contests from outfit various standards really yeah awesome and just set the scene because yeah the the night of the 5000 sounds like a sort of sci-fi movie title the, <laughs> the, the vibe is sort of very much like music and and kind of creating a bit of a different sort of evening atmosphere oh yeah very much so so it, it will be an atmosphere from what it sounds like um i know we've got a similar thing going on in the uk with certain races which it may well have, very well have inspired this but yeah we'll have music food a bar so yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rob. I mean, we we spoke about the um, you know the, the FA Cup final and the the sense of occasion. Um, yeah, is that something that you think athletics as well can really capitalise on? Certainly, um, and from what I'm, I've seen, if some footage in the past of the the UK night of the ten thousands, and they've become very very popular, where they're generally held in certainly dark, and they have almost have a almost. A funnel atmosphere. They they actually surround the track. Spectators can go inside, and people run through sort of an area where there's you know there are people sitting there having a drink and all that sort of stuff. There's a bit of music. It is very very different, and and that's the sort of thing athletics needs to look at. I think. I mean, um, you know, at the top level, I think there's there's a lot of dead a lot of dead time in athletics meetings unfortunately and um, that's one of the things that it needs to look at to make itself even more popular going forward but I'm sure it'll be a really good evening and I'm glad to see that the um, the athletic club are, are introducing something similar over here which is may well we'll catch on yeah great stuff what time does it kick off Jamie okay so it starts with a bit of development steeplechase at 550 uh, it will be half an hour later that we have our first 5,000 metre race. It will be progressing in quality for about four different heats. I think uh, top end, we're looking at people who might run sub-15 minutes. But I think we've got right down to people who might, only be, might be running 32 minutes for the distance. So real range of abilities. But yeah, we've managed to attract all of those different standards. Rob, where are you this weekend? I'm at a bit of bowls and some cricket. Um, First time this season, with the football season more or less over, certainly at the senior end, I'll be off to watch some bowls at the Open Singles, early rounds of the Ireland Championships at Delancey and at 
the Beaux-de-Jour greens on Saturday morning. Um, so it was some good weather. I gathered the um, both rinks are in brilliant, um, running brilliantly this um, summer. So f- well done to the States for really um, coming up trumps there because they did have a lot of problems last year um, with the greens. And it was both clubs were very disappointed at what, what was being produced for them. But um, I'm looking forward to a, a good season. I gather from um, both Northern Bowls Association and the Guernsey Bowling Club have worked really, really hard in developing numbers, which they needed to do. And they're doing a lot of great work with with Sports Commission, um, um, with the schools, and likes of introducing um, the sport to, I gather, more than 300 youngsters from Amherst, St Mary and Michael, um, schools and, and and others, and which is great to see, great to hear. And when that's done, I'll be off to see some cricket in the afternoon, probably up the college field, and see if Mr. Stokes and Mr. Birch may well are back in the runs. Um, fantastic to see a young player like Charlie Birch score two successive hundreds. It really is a great achievement and I'm hearing great things of him and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the flesh. Yeah, the runs have really been flowing as we've been saying, but it's no mean feat to, to go back to back, is it? No, two centuries, you can't argue with that. I mean, and, and against decent island standard bowling, I, I gather it's a good track at the college field this year, but nevertheless, to, to con- you know, the, anybody who scores 100, should nobody should ever scoff at somebody scoring 100 because to, to bat... A, a long period of time is an achievement in itself and we need batsmen in Guernsey who can get their heads down we've got plenty of players who can play a lot of shots but um, we need one or two who can actually be proven um, batsmen in terms of actually occupying the crease and um, sounds like Charlie Birch may be a potential island player in the making. Yeah, really impressive stuff. And at the KG5, it's Griffins against um, Kobo. And uh, yeah, Griffins have been going so well this year, they could seal the title. Yeah, um, yeah, they could do. Um, I'm very impressed by the Griffins' outfit. You know, they're not, they're not a brilliant side on paper, but what they have got is fantastic spirit. And it, it always seems that somebody comes to the party and produces the goods on the day, whether it's evening league or weekend stuff. And you must remember, they've been playing much of the season without one of their best players, and Jason Martin, who's um, Sir Martin's goalkeeper and was playing in the cup final last week, um, got injured. Um, I saw he turned out for Griffins on midweek in evening league cricket, and um, it's quite clearly um, not fit enough to play. Um, and he may not play an awful lot of cricket this year, I gather, because he's obviously got work commitments on a Saturday and he's also got the football season, the new football season looming not in the, in the not-too-distant future. But Griffins always seem, I say, seem to have somebody who actually comes, comes to the party. And this year, it's been like some Matt Philp, who's hitting the ball really, really cleanly. And Dane Mullen as a bowler, who is, you know, producing some good spells. So it's good to see. Yeah, so we could have a conclusion then to uh, the weekend championship, although there's still one round uh, to go after this. Um, yeah, that finishes on the 26th of June. Uh, great stuff. And uh, Jamie, I think it's a bit of motorsport as well. Yes, uh, Reservoir Speed events. Uh, from what I've heard, speaking to the new uh, Guernsey Car Motor Club president, we've had a resoundingly good entry number of 97. 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they go over there. Thanks very much, chaps. Enjoy the weekend wherever you are in there. Let the sun shine. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next Thursday with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast. Uh, yeah, do leave us a rating, a review. Give us an email. Let us know what you think, what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. Um, sport at GuernseyPress.com uh, is the email address. Uh, yeah, get in touch for now. Take care.